Tell people to get to where you want to go, you got to despise where you're at. Say, to get to where you want to go, you got to hate where you're at. Whatever you tolerate, say, whatever you tolerate, tell your neighbor, neighbor, whatever you tolerate, you'll never change. You'll never change. Because you tell I know a lot of people through the years I've pastored, many years, and I've met a lot of people that have been beat up, abused, and make excuses for it. And it never changes. Why? Because they tolerate it. They tolerate the beatings. They tolerate the abuses. So I share in the church that I pastor in Phoenix, Arizona, called My Friend's House. I share there, whatever you tolerate, you're never going to change. Amen? And so, I'm excited for what God is doing. Um, the Apostle Paul was an amazing man. And when I read his story, so many things could have gone wrong. When I read his story, there was so much negativity coming against him. In Acts chapter 9, the Bible says not even the disciples believed him. They didn't trust him. So I want to start with 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Where the word of God says, if anyone, somebody say anyone, tell your neighbor that's you, Holmes. If anyone be in Christ, say he's a new. Come on, say he's a new creation. Isn't that great? New. New means you never existed, you never were. You have no past. You never were. It's brand new. No one has used it. No one has touched it. No one has abused it. It don't matter what nobody says. God says you are brand new. Come on, hallelujah. Everybody likes to have new. Oh, are those your new shoes? Is that a new hairdo? I always say yes. You know? And uh, new. The apostle Paul said, all things are passed away. Behold, God has made all things new. You see, I have a big sign in my office somewhere that says, man use duct tape, God use nails. Because we will duct tape everything. When the duct tape is going to be okay, I say, nobody will notice. Yeah, right. We go ugly, great duct tape. But that's what we do. We try to fix things. There was a man once that lost his keys. He was looking all over for them and it was dark. So he said, he looked outside his house and outside the house there was a big lamppost with a huge light. So he went outside and he started looking for his keys under that light. His friend saw him. He said, what you up to Holmes? I'm looking for my keys. I'll help you. So he got off and began to look for the keys with him. About five minutes, he says, well, where did you lose them, man? Oh, in the house. Well, what are we doing out here? Well, the light's good out here. It sounds silly and stupid, but that's the way many people are. You're looking for things in all the wrong places. You're looking for happiness that you lost. You're looking for a broken heart in all the wrong places. You're looking for the answer to things in your life in all the wrong places. 
You're looking for hope in all the wrong places. Just like that guy. Just because it looks good out there. Satan will always make you think that you're losing out on something. You know, when the people will brag about the party they had last week or things that went on. And you say, oh, man. You, I'm, you think, oh, man, I'm going to leave the women's home or the men's home because they're having a good, man, I'm missing out, you know. Well, that's what you got, got you in the first place in here. But the apostle was an amazing man. It has been said that there are four things that are very hard, the hardest things in the world. Number one is diamonds. One of the hardest things in the world. Number two is steel. Iron, steel. Number three, forgetting your past. That's one of the most, I, I battled with that. There were some things that happened to me in Nam that I could not forget and I could not forgive myself for. I had the hardest time, even as a minister, as a pastor, I had the hardest time presenting babies because we shot them. They were little kids, little children, like that little boy that came right now. And they knew that we carried Oreo cookies. The American soldier always carries Oreo cookies. And the kids knew that we carried Oreo cookies. So when we went into a village, they would run to us. But the VC knew that. And what they would do is they would tie a grenade to their backs and tape it. And they would tie or get a, a little string and put it to the pin. And when the kids ran to us and raised their hands, they would pull the pin and blow themselves up. And they would kill two, three Americans. So there was times that we would yell, diddy mouth, diddy mouth. Get back. Stay back. And they wouldn't listen. They ran for the cookies. So to not get blown up, we would shoot at their feet. But the bullets were so huge, they just cut their legs right off. And they died. And I couldn't live with that memory. I couldn't live with a picture of a little boy, a little girl squirming on the ground that I shot. Because I was a sergeant, squad leader. And that little kid would kill some of my men. People couldn't understand that. They called us baby killers when we came back from Vietnam. I had no home to come to. I had no one. My wife divorced me in Vietnam. My family couldn't take me. My mom and dad were old. So I lived in the streets for four and a half months. I was homeless. So I know what it is to be out there. And so my past was the hardest, one of the hardest things to forgive myself from my past. And some of you are going through that right now. You've done some things. You're really screwed up, man. You know, and you just can't seem to forgive yourself. So the Apostle Paul, he was called Saul of Tarsus. He was Saul. He used to chase the Christians down and kill them. Drag them. And one day God reached him. The Lord changed his life. But in Acts chapter 9, the Bible says, no one believed him. It's hard for people to believe after you've been a drug addict for 20-something years, when you've been a thief or whatever you've been. It's hard for your family to believe that overnight you changed. Change is hard, man. It's tough to change. I was a bitter man full of hate. I took martial arts for nine years plus I was a ranger. I loved to fight. 
And when I fought somebody, I always broke something so they would remember me. I was full of anger, full of unforgiveness. And it took a while for God to work in my life to learn how to forgive myself and love others. And when I met my wife, my wife was a gentle, but she's a very beautiful lady. And she's always been very gentle, very quiet. I was rowdy, man. And when God put us together, you, call, you, you talk about incompatible. But I learned, I learned through God, I learned through the Holy Spirit that I had to be gentle. I couldn't abuse her. She'd already been abused before. When I met my wife, she had two little boys, and they were little, and her ex-husband used to beat on her. So I told her, no one's ever going to touch you or beat you ever again. I will love you and take care of you, and we're going to get old together. And, and that happened. The other day we got off, she got off the truck and I got off the truck and it took us about five minutes to get together. <laughs> I said, man, we messed around and got old together. But it's been fun. But she's seen the change. She saw that my family, when I went to see my family, that I received Jesus, they said, we'd rather you still be a drug addict. They could not believe the change that God had done in my life. People will not believe the change that God has done when you say, look what the Lord has done. Honey, come on, somebody. He changed my body. He healed my mind. Some of you women probably have been married two or three times, and that's okay. But the, your name change has been hard. You were Maria Smith, now you're Maria Carvajal. You're Maria Gonzalez, now you're, now you're Susan Smarzinski. So you've had a tough time with your name change. You've had a tough time in your marriage adjusting to that dude or dudette, whoever you're married to. It's been tough. And coming from the world, coming from the field that we were in, into the men's home or women's home and the church, to this new life, It's been a, a life-changing experience, man. Oh, man. I remember when I got saved and, and people would say things to me, man. And they didn't know who I was and where I came from, you know. And I, I was ready to just lay hands right now, you know. Let's dance, you know. But my pastor had to settle me down. No, it's not the way it's done anymore, Pastor Brother Zeke. And so I had to learn to control my anger because while a person was still talking, I break their jaws. Let's go outside, Charlie, right here. It's too hot out there. I'll get a sunstroke right here. That's the kind of person I was. I still battle it. My wife can tell you. Somebody acts stupid driving and they park next to me and I roll my window. What's wrong with you, Holmes? What's so, You stuck in stupid? <laughs> they want to open the door you know? amen let's get it on because it's an everyday struggle man and so the apostle Paul began to show us what a tremendous and marvelous scripture that is unless you get a hold of that listen to me y'all Unless you embrace that scripture, it becomes a reality in your life, not just something you quote, not a cliche. 
But unless it becomes a reality in your life, if anyone be in Christ, you are a new creature. Come on, hallelujah. A new creature. With a new attitude. With a new mindset. With a new heartbeat. Unless you get a hold of that, that revelation that God gives us through Apostle Paul. Now, Paul, his name was Saul. He had a hard time with that name change. You know, because he used, like I said, he used to kill Christians. So when I think about Paul, you know, when God began to change him, there was an adjustment period. May I have my water, please? <clears throat> there was an adjustment period, just like you and I. There's an adjustment. Thank you, Pastor. A period of adjusting. You know, and he had to get used to that new name now, the Apostle Paul, or Paul, when God called him. He had to get used to it. I can imagine the Apostle Paul, as he was growing in the things of God, and, and God was beginning to deal with him, I can imagine his mindset. Oh, man, I wish I could write some books. <clears throat> I wish I could travel and preach, but... I'm Saul. <clears throat> I'll always be Saul. I'll never change. I'm just, I'm just me. And some of you are struggling with that. I'll never change. I'll never sing. I wish I could sing. I, I, you know, in the world I used to sing or used to do stuff, but, you know, I'm, I'm just an old druggie. Um, you know, I could never sing. I, I don't. Listen, people know you can't sing. Just open your mouth and we know you can't sing. Everybody going, everybody just singing, oh, shut up, shut up. But you sing anyhow. <clears throat> I remember many years ago in 1967 when I got on the first C-130, they call them flying boxcars. Some of you veterans might know what that is. It's an airplane with no seats and they have benches on the side of the wall. It's loud and cold. And we jumped off that plane. I'm a homie. I never jumped off nothing. The only time I jumped off something was I jumped the fence running from the cops. <clears throat> you know how I'm talking about. And here I am, 4,000 feet in the air. And the sergeant, the master blasters were saying, when you get to that door, don't hold back. Don't look at the horizon. Get your butt off this plane. Get off of my plane. And everybody's hooking up and everything else. And here comes the jump master. And he looks at me and he goes, some guys were fainting. Some guys were passing out. And I had to walk over them. And he looks at me and goes, Rodriguez, you all right? I go, sir, I am scared, man. I, I said, man, somebody took maracas because my knees were shaking. <laughs> and when I got, to, he, he says, are you doing all right? I said, I'm scared, sir. I'm really scared. I never jumped off a plane. He grabbed me by the collar, pulled me in, and he said, do it afraid. But do it. Don't you dare hold those men back. Because when you get to the door and you hold back, those men that are jumping after you are going to miss their target by five to seven miles, and they will kill you. Don't you dare make those men Mr. Target, because you're a coward. Do it afraid. 
So when I jumped off that plane, my son said, Dad, did you yell Geronimo? I screamed like a little girl all the way down. <laughs> and there's times in your ministry, there's times in a Christian walk where you're going to be afraid when a pastor tells you to do something. You're going to fr- be afraid to teach. You're going to be afraid to sing. But you do it afraid anyhow. Come on, hallelujah. You do it afraid and the Holy Ghost will lift you up. The Apostle Paul, I can imagine what's going through his mind. You know, I, I, I wish I could. Can you imagine if he would have said, I, I can't write no books. I, I can't do this. The disciples didn't believe him. That was, he couldn't control that. People will not believe that God's doing something in your life. And you can't control what people think. But you can't control what you think. You can control that. It doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't even matter what you say. All that matters is what God says. Hallelujah. I can do all things through Christ. If Paul would have never embraced that new person that he was, we never would have had the epistles. If Paul wouldn't have accepted that new person that he was, he'd never gone that far. He never would have traveled. He never would have got a good start in life. Wow. We have to get that kind of attitude today. You're here because God has done something in your life. And you got to get a hold of it. You have to get that scripture. Oh, come on. And not let it be something that you just read and it sounds good. Something that you underline and and, and color it yellow. But something that's in your heart, embedded in your heart. Once God began working in his life, he understood he was no longer Saul. He was no longer a Pharisee. He didn't walk like a Pharisee. He didn't think like a Pharisee. He didn't talk like a Pharisee. He began to talk like that new man that God had created. Come on, hallelujah. The problem with us is that we want to live this new life with the old stuff from the world. You can't do it. You want to walk this new walk and you still walk that old walk. Huh? A little Columbia, a little walk. Sub dog. Dog died. It's not dog no more. You can't talk that talk no more. You can't walk that walk no more. I had a man, uh, uh, supposed to be a man of God, that came up to me in Tustin, California. He's a singer. If I mentioned his name, you'd know him. But he came up to me with a little, little tandito and looking cool and had that little crazy little you know, barrio walk. You know, he's a, he's a minister. He sings. And he came up to me and I had my stuff set up to sing in his big veterans uh, special service. And he walked up to me and goes, Orale, Pastor Zeke, what's up, Holmes? How you doing, bro? What's up, dog? And I just stood there watching him. It's good to see you, Holmes. It's just me, the old time, the old school, just me and you left. I said, no, homie, it's just me left. Because you're still talking like an idiot. You're still walking like a knucklehead. Still dressing like a fool. And I'm not old school. I'm a new creation. But you know how it is. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. I'm not an old dog, and I'm not learning tricks. 
You got to get a new mindset. A new way of thinking. A new way of talking. That old Cholula has died. Little Chanchita from the barrio, she's gone. It's over. Uh, little Vato Loco, you don't exist no more, homie. It's gone. God says, if anyone be in Christ, you're a brand new creature. You can't live that old life in this new body. You can't have that old mindset in this new mind that you got from God. If you have been risen with Christ, the word of God says, set your mind on things above. Quit thinking with stinking thinking. Come on, hallelujah. You're going through something right now. You're going through a, a tremendous time where your pastors are going to need you. Your leadership are going to depend on you. But your old self wants to run. Let me share something with you. Just something from my heart. Because it's tough, it's tough on me. It really is tough on me. But I, that's when I found out that I was a, truly was a new creation. November the 5th of last year. My oldest son had been lost for 17 years and he came back to the Lord. He's, he was restored to God and he was preaching once again. He used to be a pastor and now it had been over like two and a half years and God had restored him. And I was getting ready to send him out again as a pastor. Bought him a PA system, got ready to send him out, Pastor Edgy. He walked into my office. He was going to preach that night. We talked and we laughed, him and I. But the future, what great things God was going to do. That night he got behind the pulpit to preach. He shaved his head, so he had a shaved head, my son. Big man. And I'm sitting in the front row watching him, very proud of him as he begins to speak. About 8.20, I, I saw him kind of struggling. And then I saw him sweating, perspiring. And he said, pray for me, church. So I got up quickly and I grabbed the mic and he looked at me and he said, Dad. Dad. And I said, it's okay, son. It's okay. I'll take it. I got it. So my son walked out the door with my wife and the family, and I stayed behind the pulpit preaching his message. And the ambulance came and took him to the hospital. After the church was over, I asked for my son. He says, he's in the hospital. So I rushed to the hospital. When I got there, he was in ICU. When I got to ICU, there was several doctors and People working on my son. They were pouncing on his heart, and and he it didn't look good. It looked real bad. So I'm from here to the to the back here, watching all this, and I'm praying. I'm making deals with God. God, please, man, don't don't take him. Take me. I'm an old man now. I'm an old man. God, you've always heard me, man. You've always been there for me. Let me take my boy home. Let me take that boy home, God. I went back outside. I talked to my wife and my family. And I came back inside. They were all standing. Nobody was working on my son no more. And I said, Lord, please, you've always heard me. Let me take him home. And the Holy Spirit said, not this time. I said, Okay. All right, man. Okay. I went outside, talked to my family, my wife. My son went with the Lord that night. I never expected it. I didn't get angry. I sat down and I said, God, whatever you do, 
it's okay with me. I thank you for saving him and restoring him. And I know he's home. The old Zeke would have got angry and mad and gone beat somebody up or done something stupid. But because I was a new creation, it cost money to bury my son. He didn't have any insurance. I didn't know that. He's 47 years old. So we had to raise almost $14,000 in one week to bury him. I went to preach in churches. People would enjoy the message and everybody would laugh. But they didn't know my heart was broken in a thousand pieces. They didn't know till after I told them if they could help me bury my son. You see, sometimes you'll have to do things afraid. You'll have to do things in pain. You'll have to hurt. It was one of the most horrendous things. I don't ever wish nobody to go through this. My wife and I still hurt. We travel together now all the time. and We encourage each other. It's hard to talk about this. But you see, you're going to need this kind of walk. Jesus didn't say, I am one of the ways. He said, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. You're going to need this kind of strength to make it in these dark days because we're going through some heavy moments. Our country is all messed up. The country I fought for back in 1960 is not the same anymore. The country my brother gave his life for. My little brother died in Vietnam. My cousins died. The country my best friends, 217 men went to Vietnam in my company. Eight are alive today. This country is not the same anymore. Things are getting... We got this crazy dude, what's his name? Katie, Chris, Cutter. That thinks he's a woman. I got news for that bum. You got to have a womb. That's what makes you a woman. Unless you have a womb, that little fag is not a woman. He missed the mark. Ain't nobody told him that. Well, I was the girl when I was, oh, shut up. Got news for you, homie. You cannot be a woman unless you got a womb. But the whole world accepts it. Applauding and giving him awards. Give me a gun. Take care of that. And that's trying to creep into the church, into the ministries. They're forcing us, they're trying to in Arizona... That gay marriage crap for us pastors, we have to marry these people. I said, I'm a veteran, wounded veteran. They can't make me do nothing. I don't have to do nothing but be brown and die. I'm not doing that. Homie, don't go there. It's like not long, not long ago, we went to a restaurant and some little guy comes out with a towel. He goes, hi there. How many? I said, three. He goes, walk this way. Homie, don't walk that way.
Uh-uh. If anybody be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. You're going to have to start operating with that truth in your heart. You're a new person. It doesn't matter about your past. It doesn't matter what nobody says. If God says you're a new creation, you're a new creation. Hallelujah. Come on. You're somebody new in Christ. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You're not a pobrecita, little iglesita trying to make it. You're men and women of God. And God has something powerful for you. God has a building for you. Way beyond your wildest dreams. First Corinthians said, I has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered the heart of man. The magnificent, wonderful things God has prepared for those that love Him. If there is no building there, God will kick somebody out and put you right in it. Come on, hallelujah. You didn't go through this for nothing like pastor said. The Word of God says that. All things work together. God causes all things to work out for the best for those that love God. This has to work out for the best for you. This night, don't let that just be a scripture. Don't let that just be something that you read and you mark in your Bible. I want you to grab that truth. I want you to get a hold and embrace that truth that you are a new creation. No one can change you but the Holy Spirit. No one can change you but the blood of Jesus. No one can do this. As I quit this message and I ask you to come to this altar, put everything aside. Let me share one thing with you and I'm, I'm finished. There's nothing worse than being out of place. That friend of mine that I call him my hairdresser, joking around. I like to go to his barber shop because it takes him five minutes to cut my hair and one hour to witness to him. But I talk to him, we share. And I said to him, you're out of place, homie. You're supposed to be in church on Sundays and you're out of place. He has all his tools and his haircutting uh, uh, stuff, machines, uh, number one, number two. He's got all his little machines lined up and in place. I said, what if somebody came along and, and moved all your machines, out, your combs out of whack? What would you do? I'd get angry because nothing's in its place. That's you. When you're not in the place that God wants you to be, you're out of place. So I said to the church the other day, when God calls you, when an altar call is made... And the Holy Spirit tugs at your heart and speaks to you. And you don't come to the altar. You're out of place. And you cannot. God's not obligated to touch you over there. God's not obligated to meet none of your needs. Because you're not in your place. When God passes by here. Y'all better be in your place. The whole church got a hold of it. And I hope you do too. As the Holy Spirit right now begins to touch you and speak to you. Bow your heads with me. As the Holy Spirit begins to direct it to your heart. Hey, I want to change you. Remember, to get to where you want to be, you're going to have to hate where you're at. Remember, I told you that whatever you tolerate, you can never change. Remember, I told you that. 
Remember finally that I said, when you're not in your place, you're out of place. I'm going to count to three. One. One. The devil will lie to you and tell you you're okay the way you are. No, you're not. No, you're not okay the way you are. There needs to be a change in you. Number two. He'll tell you, you got tomorrow. Oh, I can tell you some stories about tomorrow. I can tell you about people that were in my church that didn't respond. And I have buried. Some are in prison. They had a chance to come to the altar and change. There's one boy that I visited in prison that had every chance to come to the altar and he didn't do it. And now he cries in prison and he says to me, Pastor, they rape me every day. He wasn't in his place. So when I count to three, I want you to get up. And let's come to this altar. And you say, Lord, I don't want to be the way I am no more. I know I am a brand new creation. I don't have to try to do nothing. I just surrender my heart to you. And I know you'll do something powerful in my life. I can forget the past, Lord. I can forgive you. And I can forgive myself. And I can forgive others. You're struggling, man. You're struggling to be somebody else. And God never anointed you to be nobody else. He anointed you to be you. God loves you. cares about you. Are you ready? Three. Get up. Come on. Come on. Come on. Don't stay out there. Don't, don't be out of place. Come on. I need some prayer warriors.